This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll look at 2011, focus also on what might happen in 2012. We'll be talking with Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, Bob, Dr. McElhern, and also Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. This and more this week on the Tech Night Out Live. From France, we have the one, the only Kirk McElhern, author of McIntyre, and we're going to be talking about the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the ugly, and indifferent for 2011. But as we start, I was noticing, Kirk, that you have an interesting entry on your blog called Kirkville at McElhern.com, and I'll read the headline, which says enough that we can start exploring it. A harsh attack on Steve Jobs by way of a review, not mine, of his biography. Speak, Kirk. What's this all about? Yeah, Gene, it's been an eventful year, as we all know. With Steve Jobs passing and with the release of the biography of Mr. Jobs, um, a lot of people have been talking about his life, the way he worked. And I think you read the book and, you know, it's pretty harsh. But this comes from I, – I stumbled on an article on the New York Review of Books website. New York Review of Books, for those who don't know it, is a left-wing intellectual, large format, kind of village voice size newspaper magazine published twice a month and i've subscribed to it off and on over the years it's mostly politics and history and literature and it's kind of surprising that they would talk about something like this so what happens is that the author whose name is sue halpern in reviewing the book says first of all some extremely harsh things about steve jobs I'll give you a, a brief quote of an excerpt that i put on my website steve jobs cried a lot this is one of the salient factors about his subject that isaacson revealed and it is salient not because it shows Jobs' emotional depth, but because it is an example of his stunted character. Steve Jobs cried when he didn't get his own way. He was a bully, a dissembler, a cheapskate, a deadbeat dad, a manipulator, and sometimes he was very nice. Now, when you read the book, yes, you understand that, but you don't get words like bully, dissembler, cheapskate, and deadbeat dad. And I think this is judging someone in an extremely harsh manner. That in and of itself wasn't enough to irk me to the point of posting an article. What irks me is the last paragraph of this article. The last paragraph starts, the day before Jobs died, Apple launched the fifth iteration of the iPhone. And it then goes on and says, what this means is that somewhere in the third world, poor people are picking through heaps of electronic waste in an effort to recover bits of gold and other metals and maybe make a dollar or two. Piled high and toxic, it is leaking poisons and carcinogens like lead, cadmium and mercury that leach into their skin, the ground, the air, the water. Such may be the longest lasting legacy of Steve Jobs' art. Now, it's not hard to find what percentage of computers and phones Apple sells. They sell less than 5% of all cell phones in the world. Their market share in the smartphone market is decent but slipping. But again, the smartphone market is very small when you consider the broader cell phone market. They're under 10% worldwide for computers. So this person is, in order to 
justify her thesis of attacking the computer industry, picking on Steve Jobs as being the person who has caused all of these computers around the world to pollute third world countries. I find this a disgraceful, uninformed, relatively unprofessional way of reviewing a book. Well, you know, sometimes when you review books, and the same thing is true with movies, they're done by people who wish they could have written the book or they could have done the movie, and therefore they will try to tell us what they would have done if they, for example, had the reins. If they were doing the book, if they were doing the movie, if they lived the life, this is what they would do. And the question, of course, that I would have is, why do we care about them? We care about the book. Is this book a good book? Is it a bad book? Is it something that we're going to want to buy? Well, that's fine, but we don't necessarily want to know that the reviewer has a different kind of way of living. This is a particular political agenda that the reviewer has, and and you're certainly free to criticize the computer industry in general for planned obsolescence, for creating products that break and die and and get thrown away for creating products that are recycled in third world countries. It's, it's certainly it's certainly valid. But saying that it is the longest lasting legacy of Steve Jobs' art is just disingenuous. It's not like Apple is nowhere near the biggest computer company in the world. They may be the most valuable, but they're certainly not the biggest in terms of, of production. I mean, the article has a number of just flat out mistakes in it, but this sort of blatant political agenda to say that Steve Jobs just caused everything that's wrong with the world is basically what the person's trying to say. Um, unfortunately, this is a, a, a magazine that recently published a conspiracy theory article about the former head of the IMF when he was arrested on attempted rape charges in New York, and that seems to be skewing a bit toward the, what's the word, wacko fringe. It used to be, you know, intellectual, left, intelligent politics, and literature and, you know, history, academic type stuff. But lately, they seem to have been going in a direction that looks more like link bait. Well, part of the issue also here is what they want to do is basically convey the impression that Steve Jobs was a stunted personality. And all the stuff that maybe made him the genius also made him flawed. Okay, the guy's got flaws. The guy obviously was very difficult to deal with. But isn't that true of a lot of people who are brilliant in one way? You're brilliant in one way. In another way, you have, as they say, things lacking. The balance is not there. Yeah, you know, you you and I have both heard the stories about Steve Jobs over the years because we both know people who've worked for Apple or who currently work for Apple. He wasn't easy to work with. Frankly, reading this book, I found it somewhat painful to read some of these stories. And yes, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe the closer someone is to true genius, the more bipolar they are. It's it's generally considered that a large number of artists have, you know, either bipolar or asocial tendencies or whatever, you know, have some sort of a psychological problem. And I would think that anyone who is running a company doing what he's doing is probably not an easy person to work for. It's um, interesting here about another personality or well-known person who died this past week, and they were talking about radio personalities and how they are in public when they're not on the radio. And yeah. they were speaking in reference to a woman named Lynn Samuels. I don't know if you ever heard of her. I don't her. know this person, no. Okay. She was a very popular disc jockey in New York City, very unique personality. She was one of the first women to become really famous for talk shows. And mm -hmm. yet she worked for liberals, conservatives, although her 
point of view was left of center. And she'd worked with Sirius Satellite Radio in her last years, and she was found dead in her apartment when she failed to come to work. Okay, point being here is that she, like a lot of people who do radio, basically did all their talking and all their public interaction with other people on the radio. Yeah. And otherwise... They didn't talk to and many so when people. They talk, so when they talk to people otherwise, they're so used to having an audience that it makes it difficult for – yeah. Well, it's not even that because in radio, you're working in an enclosed place. The studio right. is going to be just a small room and maybe there's an engineer at the other side of the window and in some environments there is no engineer. You're all alone. You're right. basically talking – to an invisible audience. You don't get to interact with these people personally. You get to interact with voices. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I think we've discussed this. I'm a big fan of Gene Shepard. I grew up listening to his stuff in the 70s in New York. And it's interesting, by the way, anyone who's interested, you can just Google him and you'll find, I think, about 1,500 radio shows you can download. And yeah, so the point talking. is, by the way, for those who are wondering, we're not talking about Gene Shepard, a woman who was famous as a country singer, but Gene Shepard a man who was a famous New York talk show host. Not even a talk show host. He was, I guess what you call monologist. now, a monologist. Yes. Um, he would speak to the audience. Um, as you say, he would be talking to the audience. He would always have an engineer opposite him, and he would sometimes talk to the engineer. But, yeah, you had this bit where he was speaking to the audience. And I read a biography of Gene Shepard um, a couple years ago, and it's true that he had you, what you just described is true, that he was talking to this invisible audience, and in his life, um, this created a lot of difficulties. So, and I'll yeah, tell you, it. we'll have a lot of difficulties if we don't do this break. We have Kirk McElhern joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. Do you know that Where To is a worldwide location finder for the iPhone? It allows you to easily find the closest and best-rated restaurants, shops, and services with an easy, intuitive interface. And my personal favorite, an augmented reality view to see the results in 3D. You can find it at the App Store or from this direct link, wheretoapp.com slash T-N-O, wheretoapp.com slash T-N-O. Check it out. Hi friends, this is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption, you can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar.
That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Sure, there are winter specials, and then there are super winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Battle through this cold and flu season with powerful, natural, and safe flu fighters like elderberry power, oregacillin, olive leaf capsules, grapefruit seed extract, and Resper 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't forget vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs, sale priced at only $9. We also have a Super Winter Special on six homeopathic liquid detoxes. Whole body detox, liver detox, kidney detox, lymph detox, brain detox, and lung detox. All liquid detoxes, regularly $26.95, are now just $20. HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on now and save big when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. With Kirk McElhern, our year-end show, and we were starting off with discussions about Steve Jobs and about this review where someone took every foible of Steve Jobs and made it into some kind of major cultural disaster. He destroyed everybody. And we got into the fact that people who become famous for certain lines of work become unusual personalities. And we're speaking here, of course, of the person who does talk shows on radio They're in this small, enclosed space. They're not interacting with people. And yes, Gene Shepard, as a monologist, had an engineer he'd interact with. But the reason he had an engineer is because in New York, the union requires you have an engineer. I don't know how Uh, it works now. But that's the reason you had an engineer. A talk show host doesn't need an engineer. You could, you know, with a minimal amount of training, you could run the broadcasting console yourself, as you do with smaller stations. But larger stations, you divide the job amongst two or more people because, once again, of union regulations. Right. And he was on WOR, which is a, was, I guess, still is a relatively large station. Yes. Let, let me just, a quick parenthetical for people who don't know the name Gene Shepard. In this holiday season, you may have seen a movie called A Christmas Story. This is based on a story that Gene Shepard wrote and that he would generally tell around Christmas on the radio every year. I don't know how many people are aware that Gene Shepard wrote the story in this movie, but I understand his movie came out after I left the States, but I understand that this is one of the movies that everyone watches around Christmas. You see? 
You didn't know. But people like that, as I said, may not have a lot of friends. If they interact with anyone, it is because of the show. Now, I have to look at myself here. I am alone in my studio. I have my console around me. I have my computers. But I'm talking with a real person by way of a network connection. But you think you're talking to a real person. I think I'm no talking proof. to a real person. Actually, what's happened here is Kirk McElhern went to the seventh dimension and Siri took over. <laughs> just, and Siri has assumed Kirk's voice. And now I am speaking to a robotic voice. Siri, answer my question. <laughs> Siri, you know they have now on YouTube arguments between husband and wife mediated by Siri. But, yeah. okay, so this is a story of unique personalities. And certainly we think that corporate executives, if they or anybody in industry, politics, anywhere that makes a really huge difference, has a dynamic personality in one area, the balance is offset. I think none of these people are easy to live with or easy to deal with. There's a huge amount of pressure. We're we're talking about people who are anyone that at that level is a genius, literally. Again, the pressure is enormous with a company that size. Although you can see this also in smaller companies. You get a lot of people who get a, a superiority complex in smaller companies as well. In some of my working experience, I've come up with people, come across people like that. This is life. It takes all kinds, right? What can we do? Well, they have an inflated opinion of themselves. I said, well, I got to own this company. I am someone special. And the end of the day, we're all going to die. We're all going to become dust or go to the other place. We don't know. But that's getting into the realm of our other show. Let's move on to some other topics, your end discussions and things like that. But let me tell you, you had, of course, some strange problems with your Macs, your iMac and your Mac Mini, which occasioned a replacement. I had a strange issue here. I have a 2009 iMac. It's the first one where they got the quad-core processors and everything. And it really worked like gangbusters until a few weeks back, suddenly I'd start an application and it would sit there, the blue beach ball of death would sit there and it would take forever to launch the applications and some applications would crash on me like tried to launch quark express 9.1 which is the latest version it would crash on me and finally you know i went through everything and see what strange processes are running and i ran to something which was an old system add-on called u control ever hear of it yeah the thing that makes like pop-up menus or something? Right. And apparently yeah. when removing the utility, I left some kind of Apple script extension or something, some right. remnant of it that was called on boot time and so interfered with what my Mac was doing. But it worked fine until I started using a West 10 Lion. And then something uh, okay. in the way it worked was incompatible. Yeah. But it was something that wouldn't be obvious. No, and something and- I had to really do a little sleuthing to find. And once I removed it, deleted it, and restarted to make sure there's no startup thingy going on, it was like a brand new computer. Well, one thing that I often recommend to people is that whenever you have some sort of problem like that, open console and look at the logs and look for any kind of an error that's saying that that the, the system couldn't find something, that it's trying to launch something and can't find it. Um, Is that how you discovered what the problem was? No. I found it simply by looking at things that might... So you looked at files? I looked at files in areas that might start up like preference panes and scripting additions and stuff like that. I just kind of looked into it and I found two or three things that made no sense, did research to see what they were, 
and I removed three different items, but the one that had the most impact was this add-on for you control. Go figure. Yeah, some, so sometimes you will see things in console, though, and, and I think I noticed this when I upgraded to Lion that a particular trying to launch something, file, whatever, not found. Sometimes what happened is that the, the daemon, the daemon is a background process, it's called launch D. It's not something with long horns not or something, something like that. Well, it might have horns, but it's not the kind you're thinking of. Um, sometimes the launch D daemon will just keep trying to launch something if a file is not found, and this could, you know, slow down things, make huge log files, eat up memory, and do all sorts of things. Um, so that's something that's certainly good to look for. Now, I, I actually came across something very surprising today. Um, I noticed I use a program called iStat Menus that puts some in, information in my menu bar. It shows processor activity and memory usage and network throughput and some other things. And I noticed that the memory used was relatively high, and there's a process called Safari DAV Client that was using almost two gigabytes of RAM. Now, as near as I can find, this has something to do with iCloud and syncing bookmarks. Um, I quit Safari, and it didn't release the memory, and then I opened up Activity Monitor and forced quit that process, and that released the memory. Uh, this is the first time I came across this, though. So I don't know how long this has existed. I found some mentions on Apple's forum that go back several months, and I kind of wonder why all of a sudden I see this happening now. I didn't do anything specific regarding Safari or iCloud in you know recent days or weeks. Well, this is one of the things. Sometimes you install an add-on, especially when you're in the business that you and I are in, where we're testing yeah. products, writing stories about them. We're going to add on different things, and even... If you install, for example, a printer driver, the manufacturer doesn't just have a printer driver, which you think is some benign thing that only functions when you run the printer. It's going to have something that's going to create a background application that will monitor the condition of the printer, maybe have a scanner with it. And we were talking the other day by email, an instant message about all-in-one printers, where you have the fax, the scan, the copying, the printing, and quite often the software is going to run stuff in the background. And that stuff in the background, if you yep. remove the printer, that stuff may still be running and may still be consuming resources and freaking out because the printer is no longer available. You know who's still available? Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit moseypro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y-Pro.com. 
You can't argue with success. And many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products. Like C Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet. Or Human Growth Hormone Support, Menopause Specialist for Women, and Joint Specialist. See these and many other quality Affinity Health Products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call in your orders at 877-888-7126. That's 1-877-888-7126. Trust your health to the makers of Alley C, the world's best garlic extract. Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family peace of mind. That's why I choose wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff, and pasta alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at wisefoodstorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree free shipping and 10% off any order. Just use promo code LEWIS, call 855-FOODWISE, that's 855-366-3947, or visit wisefoodstorage.com, that's wise, W-I-S-E, foodstorage.com. Gourmet emergency food at the best price, and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. With Kirk McElhern, author and raconteur from France. Sounds like the movie about the Coneheads and the TV segments on Saturday Night Live. And they would ask Dan Aykroyd, who was one of the people who played the Coneheads, and also Jane Curtin, and they'd say... Where are you from? France. Yeah. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live, and we're in Arizona. Yeah. But we were talking L- about... Yeah. Let me just... I just want to follow up on what you were saying before the break. Um, so 
if sometimes if you install a printer or scanner driver, as you said, there'll be a background process. And I discovered a couple of years ago with a Canon scanner that all of a sudden, after installing the drivers, my computer was very sluggish. And it installs a background process so that when you press the buttons on the scanner, it launches software. And for some reason, it, it installed two of these somehow, and they were just eating up CPU time. Obviously, once I figured it out, I removed them because I never pressed the buttons on my scanner anyway, um, and that resolved it. One thing you can do is if you go to the uh, users and groups uh, preference pane and system preferences, it's if you're using Lion. If you're using something before Lion, it's called the accounts pane. Um, click on your user and then click on login items, and you'll see a list of items that are set to launch at login. Now, I'm looking at my list, and I there are two types of items. Um, one type is things that are installed by programs that need to launch. Um, so there's iTunes Helper, for instance. Um, other things are programs that you might want to add. Now, I have my Mac set to um, launch Type It For Me, uh, Cover Sutra, Launch Bar, and a few other utilities. Um, when I boot, it launches Dropbox and BusyCal, and I also have it set to launch Mail and Safari and iTunes. So when I boot, these things open automatically. So you can add applications there, but applications will, uh, if necessary, add their own applications, or even sometimes it's like a hidden application inside an application will get added. And the so, thing about it also is the fact that not everything that launches by a third-party application or set of drivers shows up in the login items. No, that's reference. only certain of them. That's just Other the beginning th- of it. I mean, you might have, for example, you're using a Logitech input device, and you want to get all the extra functionality from your Logitech input device. You're adding a software called the Logitech Control Center. It's running a process in the background to check on the various needs of the input device and provide the custom functionality. But it's not going to be shown there. I have a Brother all-in-one printer. It's one that I reviewed for the Tech Night Out Live. It's a fairly inexpensive printer. It costs like less than $150 for printing, scanning, copying, faxing. Pretty decent printer. You know, it does everything good enough to be worth considering. Okay, that's the promotion of it. And we're not being paid for promotion. It's just a review. Okay, it's running a process also a background process, but you see a quick startup screen when you start your Mac. It's doing that to activate the various functions. Now, I don't see that it's doing anything that uses a lot of memory. It's not. But Hmm. I can imagine that if I remove this printer, it may still be running that nonsense and causing problems. But right now, you know, it's just a normal process that the computer requires in order to interface with this device. Unlike on Windows, there's no built-in uninstallation procedure for software on a Mac. Now, it's, it's also safe to say that this doesn't always work on Windows. And this is why there are, in addition to the built-in uninstallation process, there are third-party programs to uninstall software. But I kind of think these are starting to be necessary. I have one called App Zapper that I use sometimes. And while it doesn't find everything, sometimes it finds stuff. Part of the problem is, as you say, it could just be a printer driver and something that's not going to be found even by a program like that. A good idea is to go to Activity Monitor, which is in the Applications slash Utilities folder. Right. And if you do that, you can see what's running like. If I look at it now, there's something called Logitech Control Center Daemon, 
which is right. using 34 megabytes of memory to run the mouse. There's right. also a Microsoft database daemon, which I guess is required if I use any of Microsoft's software, specifically Outlook for the Mac. Well, any of them, because they all, all of the Office programs use that in order to pick up names and addresses from your Outlook or Entourage database. Even if you just launch Word and never use Outlook, um, it's still going to launch when Word is running. And apparently it's running even when you're not using those applications. I guess also because they also need to determine whether you need to update your software. No, that's a separate process. That's a Um, separate process to annoy you with. That's Microsoft's auto-updater. And I don't know what the process is that that makes that check, but that's separate. Mine, mine's not running the um, database daemon, but I don't think I've launched Word since my last reboot. I think it only launches the first time you launch one of the programs. But it's, it's useful to go into Activity Monitor, sort by name, and look at the processes and see, do you see anything that belongs to software that you may not be using or that you may have tried and uninstalled? And if so... Well, then you got a whole process of finding where this is installed, and that's a little bit confusing for us to go into now. And worse, um, it may not be labeled in a way that identifies right, the product. It, it, it could be a plist file in a launch services items folder in the system folder that's got a different name from the name of the process, and so it's not easy to find. You can just drive yourself crazy. Yeah, but if you start having a sudden sluggish... Um, sudden sluggish performance on your Mac, uh, it's worth looking into and ideally finding someone who, who knows how to help you with it if you don't, because it, it can take a lot of digging to find this. You know, one of the things I was thinking here, Kirk, is that Apple could be proactive about this. And all they need to do maybe is mandate that when a software developer puts something that launches a background application, it be clearly labeled so you know what it is, and there'd be some feature in preferences or somewhere to dump the thing if you no longer need the software. It's not just throwing the application into the trash and emptying it. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that this is how it works for applications to go through the Mac App Store, that anything that the application is going to launch is in the application itself rather than something that gets installed in a different space. So if you delete an application, it will remove everything. But, you know, there are multiple ways of installing applications on a Mac. In some cases, you can simply drag a file to your applications folder. In others, you run an installer. Um, So until Apple can figure out some way to, what would they need to do? They would need to have a more consistency because the other problem is you may drag the application to your applications folder. On first launch, it's going to install stuff. Exactly. It'll, it'll move something into a space, and it may not even ask you um, if it's already got a password from you. Um, it may not ask you. Now, in some cases, you'll actually find applications that when they launch them the first time, they'll ask for a password saying, we have to install X, Y, or Z. But it's, I find it's pretty rare, and actually it's much more common that things will just basically copy a file to one of these locations that launches. Um, I'm just looking. It's the library. It's the top level of your hard disk library, and then either launch agents or launch demons. These are the things that get added by third parties, and they're basically just plist files, um, preference files that point to a specific uh, item that's going to launch someplace. And it's generally 
a part of, it's generally something that's inside an application. So I'm just looking at mine and launch agents, I've got 10 items and launch demons, I've got 19. And some of them are, you know, clearly labeled with the names of programs. But some, I've got one com.google.keystone.demon.plist. I have no idea what that is. I have it too. I also found some stuff in there for long ago printers I no longer have. I've deleted them, but I kind of think that you also have to actually restart your Mac. Uh, yeah, because disappear. these are processes that are running. So, sure. yeah, you'll, you'll have to either restart your Mac or kill the processes in um, Activity Monitor. But I think for most people, restarting is a lot easier. Sure. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. I'll tell you what, we're not going to restart yet because we have more to talk to. Kirk Malcoherne about. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. 
Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with Fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your Fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional Fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. Long Range Patrol Ration Entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold weather ration entree. Nothing. Now, the Freeze Dry Guy is offering a limited time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long term storage. But they're going fast at freezedryguy.com. Far superior to MREs, long range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze dried entrees. Ask about multi case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. Your source for survival food in an uncertain world. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. With Kirk McElhern, we're doing kind of an overall discussion of different things that bothered us through the year. Of course, we talked about Steve Jobs and one particular review where I guess the author was trying to put forth their own values over what they thought about Steve Jobs and what he did to the software industry. Okay, Kirk, what do you Gee. think was the most important story other than the passing of Steve Jobs and the fact that Tim Cook became officially the CEO, although he'd done many of those duties for a while, the most significant stories? You know, since, since one of my b- main beats is iTunes, I would say that iTunes Match was pretty significant, and we discussed this, and we have some reservations and criticisms, but I think it's a pretty significant step forward because it's opening the door to a new approach to music, and in particular, an approach that the uh, record label signed off on. I guess the iPhone 4S is a pretty big deal. I still don't have an iPhone, and I don't plan to get one. So that's not something that I'm really up on. I think Thunderbolt is a big deal, but not yet, in the sense that there are, as far as I can make out, I think there's still only two peripherals. There's a company that makes some big RAID devices, and there's Lassie that makes a couple of hard drives. Very expensive. Thunderbolt's not going to take off until it becomes affordable, but in a way, this reminds me of the first iMac and USB and the fact that it was when Apple put USB in the iMac. Even though it had already existed in PCs, it was Apple's uh, use of USB across the board that started um, 
getting these um, third-party peripheral manufacturers to use it. So I think Thunderbolt is something that we're going to see in the next couple of years. Um, I think it's going to take off slowly because of the cost, not only the hardware but the licensing costs and all that. But I think it's something we're going to see uh, as have a, a very big role. Um, now, part of the thing we have to consider here with Thunderbolt is, again, it's the chipset. The chipset is expensive because only Apple's making them. When they're making $50 million a year or $75 million a year, suddenly the chipsets become cheap. They find yep. better ways to do it. And the cables become cheap, and suddenly it becomes almost an afterthought in the computer. Right. Well, prices always go down. The easiest thing to look at is memory prices. If someone were to plot a graph of memory prices, of RAM prices, um, the amount that it's gone down over the years is just incredible. RAM is dirt cheap these days. And and I think Thunderbolt will get there. I think Apple has to give – well, not give it away, but Apple has to make it more affordable, I think, because as you say, it's it's Apple who's getting the money out of this. Well, I understand uh, right now Apple has made it affordable by dint of the fact that they have Macs with Thunderbolt that do not cost anymore. Right. That aren't more expensive because of Thunderbolt. It's it's sort of built that's in. That's correct. That's correct. Um, so, yeah, that's certainly um, interesting. But until we start seeing more peripherals, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, as of now, we're not seeing them. The, the other big thing for me is we discussed my recent purchase of a Mac Mini uh, some weeks ago. And I paid the exorbitant amount of money to get an SSD as a startup drive. Now, I've had SSDs since the first MacBook Air, um, and I don't think I'll ever go back to using a hard drive. Um, Using it on a laptop was one thing because it was my second computer. Using it on my main computer, the difference in terms of startup time, in terms of the the time for applications to launch, I think 2012 is going to be the year of the SSD as – they are optional now with a lot of Macs, and I think um, it would make a lot of sense for Apple to include an SSD for the boot drive and a second hard disk for data. Well, that's um, what they do with optional configurations of the iMac right, nowadays. Right, but I, I can see Apple making sure. that the standard um, configuration for a number right. of computers. Maybe I think part of it also will be when the price of SSD becomes affordable. Now, Apple just recently bought this Israeli development company. Right. of firmware and technology for solid-state drives, supposedly allowing for greater capacity at lower cost. And when right. they can get to do that, when you can buy, for example, a 512-gigabyte solid-state drive for $200, I think it's going to reach its That'll critical mass. That'll make a difference. Yeah, but you know, as all of these technologies, you know, economy of scale and all this, you remember what Name any technology. You remember how much it cost early on? Um, I remember when a 5 megabyte, forget gigabyte, 5 yep. megabyte fixed hard drive, and the thing yep. was a huge, humongous platter. Imagine something larger than a 12-inch LP record, about 2 or 3 inches thick, for $10,000. Yep. Yeah. When I, when I was in high school... Um, so this was – I started high school in 1972. They had some sort of an IBM whatever computer in an air-conditioned room in the basement, and they had a couple of hard drives like that. They were about the size of garbage can covers, actually, bigger than LPs. Um, and think about it this way, folks. You can get more computing power in your iPhone. You can get more computing power in an iPod today than what you know we had back then. Think um, of the computers, the onboard computers. In 1969, they took us to the moon. It's, it, it, you know, for those of us who are old enough to have lived through all of this, it is actually quite stunning when you think about it. 
Um, on the other hand, it's like oh, we kind of get immune to it, don't we? In, well, we get used to it because so every year suddenly now. everything is cheaper or for the same price we get more. We get more for our dollar. I mean, you look at the computing power of the iPhone 4S, which starts at $199 with your average two-year mobile provider contract. Consider right. that computing power, which is what a full-fledged Power Mac would cost maybe seven, eight years ago. On the other hand, if I look at what um, let's take a, a current iMac. Um, the current iMac in today's money costs about the same amount of money that I paid 20 years ago for my first Mac, which was a PowerBook 100. The same amount of money, and this isn't taking into account inflation. I'm talking about real money. So obviously with inflation, um, the value has gone down. The, the cost has gone down. Um, but it's basically the same price year after year for a computer that does more, as opposed to the computer dropping in price greatly. Um, well, when it drops in price, it always gives you less. You know, it's not giving you more. So, for example, you buy a three or four hundred dollar computer. Yeah, that gives you what you could get for a nine hundred dollar computer a few years ago, but it's not getting more for your money. It's getting you value for what you pay. It may not be enough value. Well, again, I, I want to compare comparable, you know, let's say middle of the line computers. We, we shouldn't compare with, say, $400 PCs or whatever. I don't think there's a comparison. It's true that back then you couldn't get anything for $400, and now you can. But if you're looking at similar specs or, or something that's in a similar range um, as back then, the price is roughly the same. You're just getting more for it, more RAM, bigger hard disk, faster processor. Everything's faster and, and bigger. But I find it interesting that the price point for Macs, at least, has remained roughly the same. It's gone down a little bit, but not that much. Well, I guess the only place where it's really gone down is if you get a Mac Mini. You're getting the computing power of what you get in a much bigger, more expensive Mac of a few years back. That's kind of the entry level. But then you're giving up things. There's no fixed optical drive anymore. You have to have a separate display and input device. But at $599, I mean, you know, you can buy a cheap monitor, buy a cheap mouse, and for maybe $699, you have a full, fully outfit computer. Yeah, that, that's certainly a good deal. In fact, I, I was actually thinking of getting one to use as a server. Um, not that I need a server as such, but that it would give me something to discover and to be able to write about, um, you know, how to use a home server and, and things like that. And when you look at the, the low-end Mac Mini at that price, and you can run it as a server without a mouse and a keyboard and a screen. You just connect to it over the network once you've configured it. Um, so that's, that's a very interesting price. I certainly agree with that. I am I'm going to ask you about the controversy over the software piracy laws going through the U.S. and the controversy over GoDaddy, the large domain name register and web host, because it's just not worth discussing. It's yeah, nonsense. I, you know, it's not something that I'm really up on because we have different software piracy laws here. Um, so, but in many ways, what happens in the states will affect what happens in Europe afterwards. If they, and can we hope not in a bad this. way. By the way, Kirk McElhern, where do we find more of your stuff? As usual, my website McElhern.com, and very often on MacWorld. And you're always doing different things. 
always and just keep, reading just about your trials and tribulations with new hardware, you know, it's fascinating reading. Yeah, I've kind of had enough this year, to be honest. And we hope it won't happen again next year. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. On the Tech Night Owl Live, special thank you to Kirk McElhern for joining us on this show and all the other shows. Have a happy new year. Thanks for having me, Gene, and I'll see you again next year. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're wrapping up 2011 with Bob Dr. McLevitis, who has been here for so many years. I think even in the Stone Age, they had a Dr. Mac, don't you think? Watch it, Gene. You're older than I am. Not by much. <laughs> Four or five hundred years. I mean, what's that among friends? A couple of millennia. At least. At least. Just think here. If Steve Jobs did not come back to Apple in 1996, how would things have turned out? Seriously. Oh, I'd be a multimillionaire retired with my own island. (laughs) How so? Well, power computing would have gone public, and then it would have acquired Apple, and the stock would have been worth trillions. So you had stock at that point in power computing? Correct the window. The late, great cloner of Macintosh hardware. Now, we should mention this, that power computing, it consisted of a number of people, some of whom were former Dell executives. And I guess they tried to bring the Dell playbook to the Mac. Make them cheap, make them fast, make them powerful. And make them custom. Remember, Apple at this point wasn't building to order. So the important thing was you could order your Mac any way you liked with the processor you chose, the amount of memory you chose, and uh, mouse and keyboard and, and uh, monitor. And, you know, it was all a la carte, like Dell, the Dell model. BTO, baby, build to order. That was our motto. What's a motto? Nothing. What's the motto with you? Oh, that's a bad joke. 
What's the matter? You didn't see, what was that, The Lion King? One of those Disney movies. Your kids are too old. I have one, but one kid, he's 25. Those, he did see The Lion King, though. He saw The Lion King in the movies, and he saw a play of The Lion King in Phoenix. But if you really want bad jokes, here's a bad joke. All mystics must be Swedish because their name is Sven Galli. That's the worst joke of 2011. There can be no jokes worse because we're about to end the year. But I'm serious. Okay, so we had power computing. You felt that power computing really would have tried to take over Apple if Steve Jobs hadn't returned? Well, I don't know if we'd have taken over Apple, but we were doing very well and we'd have continued to do really well had Apple not uh, closed it down. In hindsight, I think Apple was right to kill cloning. You know, Apple wouldn't have had the ascension and growth that it's had had they cloned the operating system and been competing on the hardware front with people like Power Computing, who could build them faster and cheaper. Not as pretty, but we never we never really claimed pretty. No, it was basically refashioned PC boxes. That's correct. We were going with off-the-shelf hardware uh, to keep the prices down, and it was working. The only problem I have with power computing, in retrospect, is my fingers. Some of those models, you get in there to try to change memory or add a hard drive, and it was toxic to your fingers. They get scratched all over the place. Well, yes, we left the sharp edges. They would have cost money to remove. (laughs) No, I don't know. I don't think we left sharp edges on purpose, but I don't know. Maybe we did. Cost-cutting measure. Obviously, cost-cutting. And I had a few Ah, of those boxes. And finger-cutting. And we're now cutting humor. We're trashing humor to smithereens. But seriously speaking... Cutting-edge humor, buddy. Okay, but the point being here is there would be no iPod, there'd be no iPhone, there'd be no iPad. So if Apple survived, it would be a much, much smaller company. Um... Well, yeah, I guess if you're assuming that there would have been no iPod, then there would have been no iPhone, there probably would have been no iMac, and you have to remember that back in those days, Apple was being referred to pretty much as beleaguered or troubled. So I don't know if Apple would have been around, I mean... It's possible that they would have gone out of business. If I remember correctly, when they took over power computing, they were down to like their last quarter of a billion dollars in cash, which for Apple isn't very much cash. No, now Apple spends that in an hour. And they make that in like a minute at the App Store. (laughs) Okay, so basically here I think we see that Steve Jobs was the magic bullet. Nobody else could have come into Apple and fixed it up. I, you know, I don't think anybody else had the love uh, and the vision. You know, Steve, Steve, say what you will, I'm sure he was a terror to work for, but um, he had a, a singularity of vision that turned out to be spot on for so many things you know it's nobody had ever thought about making a mp3 player with just 
a couple of buttons and controls you could understand and a nice big screen. You know, nobody had put all that together before. Um, a phone that doesn't have any buttons on it. Before the iPhone, that was like sci-fi. You know, a phone that has only smooth surfaces for the most part. Heck, even Captain Kirk would push a button on the communicator. Yes, I know. They hadn't thought of touchscreen. Exactly. Isn't that something? Those so, sci-fi guys. That's right. So basically, would, basically, Apple had sci-fi guys in there. They understood the concept. They were influenced by the proper people. I think that was the case. I think there were a lot of people who sat around at Apple saying, why couldn't we? Or why isn't there? Or why don't we? And came up with some good things. You know, I'm sort of I'm sort of excited to see what 2012 has in store for us. You know, there have been so many rumors. Well, let's talk about your favorite rumors, okay? <laughs> what rumors would Bob Levitas consider to be potentially valid for Apple in 2012? I like the one about the TV sets. I like the uh, thought of Apple building an Apple television as opposed to a little black box called an Apple TV. Okay, but here's a situation which is very difficult. In the TV business, it's not like a computer or a smartphone where people buy a new one every two, three, four, five years. You buy a TV set, and you've already gotten the flat panel. Most people have. they got the high definition. And those sets are good for 10 years. Okay? So you keep the set for 10 years. Why do you buy a new set? This is a obviously the dilemma that manufacturers are finding, that the market is saturated. They're trying to add features. They're trying to add Internet connectivity, trying to put in... Flickr and YouTube and Netflix and all that stuff in there. But it's not as if people are buying them. The prices are going down. So Apple has to have a better answer. Of course, the answer, I guess, is the problem is the interaction with multiple programming sources. So you that's, have... That's one part of it. Sure. And I think user interface is part of it. I think sure. if, you've, if you've tried any of this, uh, watching Netflix through your blu-ray player or buying a network enabled tv that can do hulu i think you know that uh, if you use an apple product you're spoiled by the the slickness of apple's user interfaces and probably uh disappointed or confused by the user interfaces you find elsewhere okay so you have the apple tv which kind of solves the interface problem but then the other issue of course is the cable box, the satellite box. And I guess that's the other dilemma. This is where Apple TV remained a hobby because how do you compete with a $99 device when you get your set-top box from the cable company free or for $5 a month or something like that? How do you beat that? How do you crack the secret? Does Apple replace that? If Apple yes, replaces and it, that's, that's okay. the whole thing. Though that's Apple, the therefore, thing. has to make content partnerships with the same people who provide content to Cox, Comcast, Dish you, Network, DirecTV. That's a dilemma. It. Okay, but it raises another problem, which I'd like to ask you about and get your take on. We have Bob Dr. McLevitis, last show of 2011 for the Tech Night Out Live.
Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Sure, there are winter specials, and then there are super winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Battle through this cold and flu season with powerful, natural, and safe flu fighters like elderberry power, oregacillin, olive leaf capsules, grapefruit seed extract, and Resper 8, all specially priced during the winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Don't forget vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs, sale priced at only $9. We also have a super Super Winter Special on six homeopathic liquid detoxes. Whole body detox, liver detox, kidney detox, lymph detox, brain detox, and lung detox. All liquid detoxes, regularly $26.95, are now just $20. HerbalHealer.com. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on now and save big when you hit the winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature one person at a time since 1988. 
We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live with Bob Dr. Maclevitis. So in the book about Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson, he quoted Steve Jobs as saying he cracked the secret. He found the secret to making a TV useful and simple. So you're suggesting, Bob, that they provide all the content. You give up your cable provider. Here is the problem that has plagued us since cable came into to you know, popular lexicon in the 70s. And that is, your cable operator does not want to unbundle services and they do not want you to buy things a la carte. That's one of the reasons that it's taken so long for pay-per-view movies to become ubiquitous. Because they'd rather sell you something for so much a month, month in and month out. It's one of the reasons that uh, you can't just subscribe to HBO On Demand. You can't just watch an HBO movie once in a while. You either got it or you don't. I think the program suppliers are very hesitant to unbundle their goods, but I think you're seeing some of it in the iTunes store. So right now you can buy a season of a TV show. You can buy a season pass, which is better than the DVD because you're getting to watch those shows as they come out. And then at the end of the season, you've got the whole season as if you had bought the DVDs. We're moving in a good direction for serial television. Now, what about episodic? Well, you can buy single episodes of TV in the iTunes store. Well, you know what? My cable bill's almost 200 bucks a month with everything that we've got. But you've got internet, too. You've got telephone. It's not just having the content. but, But the content is a big part of the 200 a month. If you buy everything, all right? You buy everything, it's going to be what? A hundred and a quarter? hundred and a half? Let's say it's a hundred a month. Okay. So now you're getting 300 stations, you're getting your episodic TV, you're getting news, cable news. So even if you don't watch 300 stations, maybe you watch 20. You watch the cable news, maybe a couple of channels of cable news. You might watch something from one of the major broadcast networks. You then watch your episodic TV on cable, maybe some pay-per-view or premium cable. You add all that together. And it's going to be around 100 bucks. except uh, it's all your choice. You're not paying for massive amounts of media that you'll never look at. Like I got 1,400 or 1,600 channels. That many? I thought it was usually 300. Well, it's hundreds, but I mean, they go up to 1,600 and something. They're not all in use, but I have hundreds and hundreds of channels. And you know what? I don't know what's on 90% of them, and I never watch them, but I can't get rid of them because they come with other stuff that I need. So one thing is, you know, I would pay a few bucks a month to subscribe to the handful of channels I like to watch. Here's part of the problem with a la carte. Content providers, networks like Comcast, NBC, for example. NBC has a number of stations, not just the NBC TV network. They've got USA. They've got Sci-Fi Channel. 
So when they make a deal with the cable or satellite companies, they say, here's a package. You take all 10 channels or something. Okay, Fox the same way, I'm, News Corp. Here's what I'm thinking, is that Apple has proven more than once lately that they can negotiate with the content providers to get deals that are good for everybody involved, okay? And I don't think anybody else could go drive these deals home. But Apple has a, a track record now. Apple's making a lot of money for the studios. Apple's making a lot of money for Comcast, NBC, and every other uh, content provider. And, and so Apple can walk in there and say, you know, here's the, here's the new order of things. When our TV comes out, we want you to be part of it. And here's how that works. And I can see Apple being able to make some sort of deal that makes sense. Well, now, I got your problem that's not Comcast being discussed. Comcast is going to be a problem because they also own the cable systems, which are the competition to this, right? I guess them and the satellite providers sure. and the networks. Okay, now, here's another issue which has to be considered. Bandwidth. Okay, if they're streaming all I'm this content from, to your home... I'm buying it from my cable provider because they offer the best bandwidth package. Okay, but the cable provider is going to see everybody instead of using, say, 5 gigabytes a month. Now they buy an Apple-connected TV. And everything is coming down that pipe. High definition, every day, gigabytes upon gigabytes. At some point, they're going to say, look, we're using all this capacity... These customers, they should pay more money. They cut out their cable. Let's stick it to them. Well, then you switch to AT&T and you get DSL. And then they fight with these, these guys. And then all of a sudden there's a new wideband over-the-air guy in town. And the prices, I think, it's free market economics. I think that there are enough ways to get connections that if Time Warner or my cable provider made it, unaffordable to acquire this stuff a la carte if they tried to change the pricing to that point someone else would come along with better pricing yeah but here's the problem with that problem is here is that the cost of laying the wire is prohibitive it's billions and billions of dollars i mean look at fios from verizon <clears throat> then they're going to have to figure out how to how to play with these guys rather than fight them because they're not going to fight them and win well, the other alternative Apple can provide here is let you have the connection, but have it presented in Apple's interface on their TV set to make it simple. You know, you have Siri, you have a simple visual display, and you're still accessing Comcast content. You're still accessing and, Comcast. And that may, be, that may be the partnership that has to happen for this to, to continue to move forward. Because in but, that way, those companies still are in business. All Apple is doing is make it easier. It doesn't matter where you get your content from. We'll make it easy for you to get that content, to view that content. So basically now you see the interface coming from, for example, you see the interface that's coming from those cable and satellite providers, a lame interface. Some people want to use TiVo. But if it all comes through Apple's interface, okay, yes. Apple's interface, they still get the business, but looks prettier. Well, I think that at some point, um, the internet service providers, the the whoever brings your internet access into your home, are going to figure out that people are to some extent price sensitive to this stuff. 
You know, it's like I pay a premium to have a fast internet connection. I know other people who pay the least money they can and are perfectly happy with the connectivity that they've purchased. And so I think over time, this stuff works itself out. I think that uh, getting a fast enough pipe into your house isn't going to be the gating factor for Apple's TV venture. I think that Apple will figure out a way that you can get enough bandwidth to make it work um, without raising your costs. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this. Apple also, Excuse me, I do the break. We have Bob Dr. McLevitis. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Do you know that Where To is a worldwide location finder for the iPhone? It allows you to easily find the closest and best rated restaurants, shops, and services with an easy, intuitive interface. And my personal favorite, an augmented reality view to see the results in 3D. You can find it at the App Store or from this direct link, wheretoapp.com slash T-N-O, wheretoapp.com slash T-N-O. Check it out. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. 
long-range patrol ration entrees. If you know survival, you know LRPs are the undisputed king of military rations. Hands down the best for your bug-out bag or survival pack. To go farther, faster, and carry more food, there's nothing better than a Brick Pack LRP cold-weather ration entree. Nothing. Now, the Freeze-Dry Guy is offering a limited-time deal on thousands of fresh LRP entrees. We're talking a menu of tasty and nutritious beef stew, chicken and rice, chili mac with beef, spaghetti and meat sauce with 20 entrees per case. These fresh 2011 LRPs are U.S. government contract overruns, perfect for long-term storage. But they're going fast at FreezeDryGuy.com. Far superior to MREs, long-range patrol entrees are about a third the weight of an MRE, with about a third more meat than the finest commercial freeze-dried entrees. Ask about multi-case discounts and free shipping when you call 866-404-3663 today. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. Your source for survival food in an uncertain world. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. With Bob, Dr. McLevitis, and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live, we're figuring out what solution Apple might present to providing an alternative way to watch your TV with an Apple-connected TV. And we're talking about all the nuts and bolts here, you know, about getting the Internet bandwidth sufficient because you're going to have constant streaming. As long as you watch your TV, you have it on 10, 12 hours a day, you have two, three TV sets. If they're all by Apple, they are all receiving streaming and the question is here what is the capacity of the services do they have the capacity to have millions and millions of people using three four hundred gigabytes a month i don't i don't know the answer but i do believe that these things will be worked out um if apple goes into this tv thing that is rumored which is still you know it's a long shot apple doesn't really sell a lot of product through the traditional television channels, but then that's never stopped them before. They didn't sell a lot of stuff through the phone company before the iPhone, right? So, you know, if it can be done, Apple certainly uh, can't be counted out, but it is a stretch. It's not a a slam dunk that Apple's going to want to be selling, you know, big, hard-to-ship things that require setup and and you know can't be carried out of the store and cost a lot of money and i don't know well the thing is also that with any set below 50 inches yeah it's not that hard to get into a reasonably sized car or the back seat or something i'll give you an example my sister-in-law was forced because their old tv blew up almost literally speaking to get a 40-inch TV for like $350, an LCD TV. And that thing weighed, what, 35 pounds plus the box. They're yes. so light that that can but be Apple's carried. A 40-inch TV set is light. Now, a 50-inch set's going to be, what, 50, 60 pounds? Yeah, or more. The plasmas weigh more because they're thicker and have more stuff in them. Yeah, you got to watch out about that stuff. The other question is here, of course, Apple wants to provide superior picture quality. But their partnerships have been with companies who build LCD displays. So the question would be, will they develop a technology to address the shortcomings of LCD, which, of course, is the viewing angle, not quite as good as plasma, being able to get crisp, clear, distinct reproduction of action scenes, especially sporting events, action movies, Tom Cruise flying off that building 
in the Middle East. Oh, that was a great movie, by the way. Did you see that? Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. This was directed by the guy. He did The Incredible. So he did action in a cartoon. Now he's doing action with physical actors. In a cartoon. <laughs> in a cartoon kind of movie, yeah. I thought it was great fun. I saw it at the IMAX theater, and it just, it was a lot of fun. It was one of those movies where the dialogue was stilted at best. Um, certainly some of, the, some of the situations are a little unbelievable, but that's Mission Impossible for you, you know? It's like Mission Impossible. Rubber, it has to be unbelievable. Masks. They do the unbelievable. Well, those rubber masks that they whip off their face, you know that that is not something that can happen in the real world. They can have, you know, a, a latex face that peels off and looks just like the actual person well enough to get by, you know, security or the border crossing or whatever it is. Again, okay. Well, but some people, though, are still mad at Tom Cruise for when they did the first Mission Impossible. They made Phelps, Jim Phelps. Originally, of course, he was played by Peter Graves, the brother of James Arness, the late Peter Graves, on TV. They had John Voight play that character, but he became a turncoat. you got to wonder about that. Huh. Remember the first one? I can't remember what I had for breakfast, Gene. <laughs> first no, Mission Impossible, Brian De Palma was director. You know, a guy who'd done a lot of horror films. It had this amazing sequence with a high-speed train in a tunnel where Tom Cruise is on top of the train, in front of the train... And they kept trying to top that in each subsequent film. And Mission Impossible 3, which was directed by J.J. Abrams, who did Alias, a spy drama on TV, he tried to make like a TV episode of Alias. <laughs> if you remember what I'm talking about. This time, he did produce a film with Tom Cruise. But they had, of course, the guy who did the cartoons as director. All right. So much for movies. So much for the Apple Connected TV. You sound optimistic. They're going to find an answer. It's going to work, whether it's their own content or integrating with existing content providers. Apple will find a solution. Okay. With regard to the other products, we have, of course, real competition now for the iPad in the way of the Amazon Kindle Fire and the Barnes & Noble Nook, I guess. What does Apple do? Does Apple say, yeah... I guess we'll have a smaller screen. Will we bring out a model that's cheaper in price? What will Apple do? I don't know. What did they do uh, to to stave off the onslaught of Android phones? <laughs> Nothing. The answer is they didn't do anything. They did what Apple's going to do, which is whatever they're going to do. They're not going to respond by making every screen size known to man. They're not going to respond by uh, adding a feature that is getting some press for the Android guys. I think Apple will lead and the other guys will follow, and it'll be like that for a long time to come. You know, Apple's got, I think Apple's got a pretty good jump on both the iPhone and the iPad markets, and they're going to be the guy to beat for a long time to come. And right now, I don't think anybody's beating them at all. And certainly nobody is beating them severely. You know, they're not really under a lot of pressure. The, the closest thing is this color uh, Amazon tablet for $199. I have not used one, but from everything I've reviewed, I, I, I've read 
a dozen reviews, and they all say basically you get what you pay for. If you want a $200 tablet that isn't bad, it's not bad, but it isn't an iPad. And so, you know, I, I think what's Apple going to do? Yeah, I think there will be a smaller mid-priced offering in that, you know, sweet spot of, what, six to seven inches maybe. But they're not going to just rush that out. When they do, it'll be crafted and, and designed, and you'll look at it and go, gosh, all little tablets ought to be like this. Because that's how Apple does it. They're not, they're not going to, I don't think, come out with something to compete with a $199 tablet with advertising on it. At least not, not in the foreseeable future. Now that I've said that, that'll probably be their first announcement for 2012. Yeah, we're, we're coming out with a crappy little iPad thing that's supported by advertising for $199. I can't see Apple going there. Well, I don't think they're going to go there either. The question is whether 7 inches makes sense. The other issue is if Apple produces an iPad 3 with a higher resolution display, will they then sell the current type of iPad, maybe in a new case or some new innards, for maybe $100 less? So suddenly it's not 499 starting price, it's 399 and the jump from $199 isn't so severe. Well, that will happen. That will happen. It's just when. And probably when is when the next uh, release of iPads comes out. They generally, although not always, they generally will keep an older generation around and reduce its price because the more of them they make, the cheaper it is to manufacture. And, you know, they're still making iPhone 3GSs, aren't they? I think they are. Yes, they are. And they are currently being offered free, I think, only from AT&T. That's the only carrier in the world that carries it. Well, that's because it was designed for their network. And by the time Verizon got in the game, that, that phone was past history. So there is no Verizon version of it, is there? Was there? No. The first Verizon version, the CDMA version, was the iPhone 4. The point right. being, it's given away free and people are getting more of those than a lot of those Android models. And that's amazing. And the iPhone 4 is still selling well. And the 4S still has a backorder situation. But this is not a backorder situation. This is Bob Dr. Maclevitis speaking to me, Gene Steinberg, on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, attack, attack. 
of the Rockwoods, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins. Toxins and heavy metals boosts energy levels and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. What happened, man? You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now, you fall asleep on the couch, irritable, and out of shape. Don't be that guy. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. With Bob, Dr. Maclevitis, one more segment. We started off talking about the potentials of an Apple-connected TV. Then we talked about also what Apple might have been had Steve Jobs not returned to the company. Now we're talking about the possible shape and form factor of an iPad. What does Apple do with the Mac? Do you think they're going to dump the optical drive on the existing MacBook Pros? 
I don't, you know, I don't know about that. It's certainly the idea of a driveless laptop or notebook has certainly taken off. I mean, when, when Apple introduced the MacBook Air, everybody said, oh, my God, what are we going to do? And I think for at least a certain segment of users, it's turned out to be a non-issue. How many times do you really use optical media on your laptop? Um, on the other hand, it's kind of the... the it's the entertainment piece. It's what lets you make music CDs. It's what lets you watch videos. So then the question is, maybe they're going to go to some kind of cool Blu-ray player recorder that'll give you more capacity and also the ability to watch Blu-ray movies on that 27-inch screen that's sitting on your desk. Or No, I guess not 27, 17-inch. Um, I don't know. It's going to be... I don't think it'll go through the whole line. I think that for a while... There will always be at least one line of notebook and desktop product with optical drives. But I do think they may start dropping them in more models. I think you may be able to buy thinner, cheaper, faster, driveless models in the future. I think that'll become more uh, common. I'm also pretty impressed with these solid-state disks, and, and in fact, the hybrid disks also, which combine kind of a solid-state drive with a mechanical hard drive. But I think we're, we're on the verge of affordable, faster storage, which will be very nice also. If you've used a computer that's got a solid-state drive, you know that they just feel snappier than mechanical drives. Well, the other thing, of course, is whether they could bring it into the mainstream market at a really affordable price. I'm talking about, say, a 512 gigabyte hard drive for maybe 175 or $200, all solid state. Half a terabyte hard drive is what? 500 gigabytes is what now? $75? Yes, a terabyte right. is $100, two yeah. is maybe $150, 175 right. So how about a 500 gigabyte solid state drive for 175 or $200. That's going to be a critical mess. How about a hybrid drive for a little bit more than that, 750 gigabytes of mechanical plus uh, an intelligent cache of solid state memory? What do you think of that? Well, it's halfway there, but Apple doesn't use that. They do have products like that. Apple has not used them. No, but I have. And the Seagate Momentous XT, which just came out like last month, is worth exploring. You know, Apple doesn't, Apple doesn't uh, currently ship them, but uh, it just drops right in. It doesn't require any special drivers or anything, and it is noticeably faster and snappier. It's not quite the same as getting a 500-gigabyte SSD. But for $250, it gives you a lot of the benefit of SSD, plus the, the uh, stability and, and safety of mechanical, you know, traditional mechanical storage. And it writes everything to the 7200 RPM hard disk before it uh, starts messing around with it in memory. So you've always got stuff on the hard disk, yet it's up to two or three times faster in many cases for things like, uh, well, certainly booting up. My MacBook Pro 
starts up so much faster with this drive in it than it did with the previous drive, which was just a plain mechanical 500 gigabyte, like half the speed, 30 seconds versus over a minute. So what reason would Apple have not to offer something like that? It sounds great. Well, the thing is, number one, I think, uh, is it's a single supplier, and I think that concerns Apple. Number two, it's new technology. I don't know if there are any issues with it. I've had it in my MacBook Pro for a month, and I haven't found anything that, that causes me to raise my eyebrows, except that things are faster. And as far as I'm concerned, it would be a really, really effective, efficient upgrade at $245 or whatever. But I, I think since they've only been out for a month, you kind of need to... Um, you know, wait a while and see what happens out there in the real world. I've read some other reviewers that are having good experiences also. Uh, certainly, at that price, you couldn't buy solid state. You couldn't buy a 700. There are no 750 gigabyte solid state drives. And for me, that's always been the problem is even 500 is cutting it kind of close. I would have to make changes to my, my uh, uh, the structure of my work life to fit in 500 gigabytes. Doesn't work for you. I think in terms of my iMac. I have the terabyte drive. Now, if I were to buy a new iMac, I was thinking, you know what? If I have the extra cash, maybe what I should do is buy the terabyte drive with the 256 gigabyte solid state drive, the combo version. Now, that is going to cost you a lot more than the Momentus XT hybrid which has all this intelligent caching stuff built into it to make, to make it take advantage of the solid-state memory where it counts. And so, you know, I, the truth is, I think there's a lot of stuff that having solid-state storage doesn't even make any sense. It, it's not going to be any faster on solid-state storage than on mechanical storage. There's other stuff that really benefits from being on the faster uh, storage medium. And I think the, the hybrid idea, because of the cost of, of memory, is going to um, hit the sweet spot for more people, I think. I think this technology is going to become a lot more popular because the price of enough RAM to do SSD is always going to be significantly higher than mechanical. You know, we've got these economies of scale working in the two terabyte range, one terabyte, two terabyte mechanical drives. Uh, I think taking advantage of that rather than trying to replace it with a more expensive RAM is a smart way to look at it. I'm really, uh, I'm kind of impressed with this uh, Seagate Momentus XT. I just think that they're on the right track with it. And unless I find something really wrong with it, uh, it, it's probably as cost-effective an upgrade as you can put in an existing MacBook Pro. I guess we'd have to see whether that catches on. If lots of people buy it, if another manufacturer brings out a similar product, then maybe it would make sense for Apple to offer it. Because part of the problem here is that if you want to replace the hard drive on your iMac, Today, they're using some sort of customized controllers. You're kind of limited what you can put in there. Yes, and in fact, that's one of the things that kind of impressed me about the um, Seagate was, in spite of Apple, you know, using some, some 
proprietary technology. You could just pop this drive in, install the operating system, format it, and it, it runs. It doesn't require anything special to on a MacBook Pro. Yes, I'm talking about an iMac. That's yep. where you might run into a problem, and we'll have to see. In any I case, think, I Bob, think it, oh, yeah, I think they said it would transplant right into any existing current Mac. All but right, we'll see. All right. Well, we're going to be very curious about where solid state goes, whether hybrid drives take off. Of course, Apple doesn't just jump into a new technology. They always wait until the technology is proven. It's not like getting a retina display on your iPhone. We're talking about the fundamentals of a personal computer or other mobile device, for example, where if the drive fails, it doesn't give you a robust experience. Well, what happens you can lose your files. You can lose your stuff. And that, unfortunately, is not what we're about, what we're expecting or should expect. Bob Levitas, where do we find more of the stuff you do? BobLevitas.com. Same as it ever was. BobLevitas.com, www.BobLevitas.com. For all of your technical support and training needs. And you have any new books coming out? No, I'm done. Um, all my new books are out already. So, so now you can sit back and count your money, we hope. Buy copies of iPhone 4S for dummies, iPad 2 for dummies, OS X Lion for dummies, uh, Office 2011 for Macs for dummies, incredible iPhone apps for dummies, and, of course, incredible iPad apps for dummies. Thank you for your support. Bob Levitas, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live, and a Happy New Year. And to all, a good night. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll focus on some of the key events of this year, of next year, and maybe farther hence. Now, in any case, one of the stories that came up this past week is something that we didn't expect. There's something wending its way through Congress in the United States called the Stop Software Piracy Act, and GoDaddy, the largest domain registrar and web host in the world, kind of got themselves involved in it. How so, Jim? 
Well, they they came out in support of a of a bill that uh, a lot of regular internet users don't like uh, because it has the potential that it, you know it could shut down a lot of websites. So GoDaddy came out in support of this, and there was a big backlash. I mean, according to the to the registrar numbers, GoDaddy lost over seventy thousand domains in five days. Uh, then they tried to come out and say, no, we're not in support of it. But, you know, it's not really clear at this point what's going on. So GoDaddy may have shot themselves in the foot a bit. Now, I understand holiday. here that this bill is in large part influenced by the entertainment industry. They don't want to have sites with pirated content, you know, movies, music, etc. And supposedly this gives the U.S. Department of Justice the ability to get some kind of order or court order, rush to the ISB, the web host, and say, shut them down, and also have them removed from the search engines. Yeah. And I was thinking here, well, I understand about piracy, and you want to eliminate it, but you consider the law of unintended consequences here. So, for example, I go to a forum, a discussion area online, and I post a link. That link, you know, it looks like a benign link, but it's really a link to a site that also has pirated content. So by putting up that link, do I destroy that forum? Suddenly, they're going to be one of the people in the fallout who gets hurt. The forum is closed. The site is closed. The business is over. Is that a good thing? That's the problem. Maybe this thing is too extreme. Yeah, that is the the problem. I mean, the extremes of of where this could go. I mean, looking at it, uh, at the bill... Um, you know, people have said, well, if that's the case, then YouTube could be shut down or, you know, some of these, these big sites, uh, that are out there now, it's not just the little sites that, uh, are in danger. It's almost any site. But doesn't YouTube already work with the content providers? The content providers write to YouTube or they call them and say, get that thing down. They usually take it down, don't they? Sure. But you know, now you have law on your side. And you can just, you know, I think the the fear is that uh, the industry can just run roughshod over everything. And the other thing, of course, is we have freedom of speech and also supposedly you're innocent until proven guilty. So does a court order mean, hey, you're guilty, that's it, you're toast? doesn't matter if you had no opportunity to defend yourself. Well, and that's just it. If they have a court order and they can shut you down, uh, you know, all of a sudden... Uh, you go on uh, Gene's uh, website, and it's not there anymore. Well, how long does it take you to prove that you're you're actually innocent? Maybe, I don't know, a week, a month, a day, whatever it takes, and then you're back up again. But by that time, you know, you've, you've already lost your audience, and then what are you going to get from, from the industry? Oh, sorry, yeah, that was, you were innocent. Sure, but also, can you as a small business or medium-sized business even afford the lawyers who will protect you from this, supposedly protect you? Suddenly, you're saddled with legal fees you don't have, so the mere act of being impacted by this is sufficient to kill the business, put you out of business. Yep. Okay, so we have the background. So why did GoDaddy support this? Where did they get the crazy idea to support such a thing? Well, you know, GoDaddy seems to... (laughs) 
they've had all kinds of crazy ideas over the past year or so that's uh that's been hurting their business. I mean people point to uh the CEO um, going on safaris and killing elephants, and uh, you know there was a huge backlash over that, where they lost a lot of domains. And then, you know, they talk about their sexy commercials, and you know the fact that that's not the the proper way to advertise, whether it is or not. You know, uh, who knows? But it's just piling up right now on GoDaddy. So. You know, they, they seem to continue losing domains. It's not good for a business, any business, to be losing um, that much of their market share. And, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do about it because it's, it's snowballed and everybody seems to be against them at this point. Now, understand, as we do this show, there's going to be a dump GoDaddy day. That will have already happened after you hear it, so we'll have to see what happens. But understand also that GoDaddy has 32 million domains at last count, last I checked. So they lose 50, 60, 70,000 drop in the bucket for them. Yeah, but those are the ones that, you know, were outraged at the at the very first. Like you said, you have a dump GoDaddy day. I mean, this is bad press. It was very bad for them. So, you know, maybe you could have millions of, of domains transferred tomorrow. And then, of course, there was... Uh, you know, word that GoDaddy was trying to slow down anybody that wanted to move their domains. Now, that so, came from Tamar Weinberg, who's a friend of ours from Namecheap, and, of course, the CEO, Richard Kirkendall. And they said that somehow the process was being slowed down, that they were returning to Namecheap improper or incomplete who is information. Now, who is is he actually the yellow pages for a domain it tells you who it's registered to okay right now we're not going to get into private registration all that basically gives you the information of who registered or owns the domain or a proxy name so someone doesn't want to get phone calls from telemarketers or spam email they go for what is called private registration which by the way godaddy invented that scheme and the way the scheme works is they register the domain for you using this other name that shields you from being annoyed. Now, the way GoDaddy plays it is the first year you get it free when you register a domain. And the second year, you got to pay an extra fee, which is almost the same price as the domain. So in a sense, they're doubling the price. You get a cheap price, and suddenly that price almost doubles. So that's where that goes. But supposedly, Namecheap is not getting all the information, and they complained. GoDaddy says they never heard from Namecheap. Supposedly, it worked out. Now, I'll tell you one more story here. During all this, I said, I'm going to try this. So I took three of our domains, which are registered at GoDaddy, rockoids.com, technightowl.com, and theparacast.com, two of our key domains, and I decided to register them with DreamHost, another registrar and large web host. It took from two to four hours to complete the process. It can take up to seven days. I ran into no problem. I guess if I tried to pull out the other 27 or 28 domains I have at GoDaddy, <laughs> the things might slow down. That's where it goes. <laughs> have you ever tried? You have domains at GoDaddy. Yeah, I tried. I moved uh, one of them over uh, last week just to see what it was like, and it, it went with no problem. Where'd you take it to? Uh, Namecheap. Okay. That's a good place. Yeah. But you ran into no problem. I guess part of it is the bulk process of moving not just three, four, five domains. And I did them one at a time. 
honestly, to test the process. It is moving 50. It's moving 100. Suddenly, the alarm bells go off over at GoDaddy. Supposedly, they're calling people saying, why are you moving? Of course, people are moving out of protest. Supposedly, Wikipedia was or is in the process moving their domains from GoDaddy. But still, you know, they're spending millions and millions of dollars for promotion. This is going to die down. A week or a month from now, nobody's going to remember this. Yeah, and the same thing happened, you know, with the whole safari killing the elephants thing. Um, you know, there was a, a big ruckus about that. Then it died down. And, you know, now it's back up and it's added on to what's happening now with the, the Software Piracy Act. So in the end, GoDaddy says, you know what, we don't support it. We yeah. did, but now we changed our minds. And that strikes me as being dishonest because... If you felt there was a legitimate reason to support this thing, and you're entitled to your opinion, fine, stick by it, explain why you did, not, oh, we're losing some business, we'll change our minds. Not because we think there's justification in changing our minds, it's because we're losing business. Yeah. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com, joining Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hi friends, this is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption, you can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, the federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. It will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com.
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. We were discussing GoDaddy and the Stop Software Piracy Act. In the House of Representatives, there's an equivalent bill in the Senate. Now, they've had bills like this going on for two or three years. It doesn't mean it's going to be approved. It doesn't mean it's not going to be watered down or changed. But the question I have about such a bill is we already have copyright laws. Isn't that enough? Well, with the Internet growing and moving constantly the way it is, uh, you know, it seems the industry feels that they they need something tougher. Uh, the problem that a lot of people seem to have is that they don't believe that the people in government actually understand what it is they're talking about. Uh, and some people that are debating the bill in government have admitted that they don't know uh, much about technology. And that seems kind of dangerous to have those types of people, the ones voting on laws. But you see, how can they be an expert on anything? You know, maybe they're lawyers or business people, and yes, they should have their aides educate them if they can't do it themselves about specific topics, but they can't be Internet experts necessarily. No, but, you know, like you said, there has to be some education in there somewhere from someone. And, you know, that's just one of the things that that people bring up now as one of the potential problems. I mean, you know, you have billions of dollars in lobbyists on the Hill and, and, you know, they talk about why this is a good thing. And, you know, sometimes at least the perception is whoever has the best lobbyists can get a a bill passed. You know, I'd hate to see something like that happen in, in a situation like this. Well, you're a Canadian. How does it work in the Canadian Parliament? Same sort of stuff? Yeah, same sort of stuff, really. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that there's any real 
technology uh, uh, experts in, in government here either. So basically here, lobbyists, the entertainment industry, large corporate donors can influence political decisions and cause laws to at least be considered, not necessarily approved. Right. I think it's probably that way all over the world. So in this particular case, though, I think the problem I have with GoDaddy is not so much what political point of view they have, because they're entitled to that point of view, and you should go to them or not go to them because of the products and the services, not because their CEO says one thing or another. I don't think that should matter. I think what matters is, are they giving you good service? Otherwise, if you're a liberal, you go to a liberal domain registrar. If you're a conservative, you go to conservative domain registrars. Does that even make sense? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Not not when it comes to, to something like this. But, you know, people will protest based on current events. They'll protest different things. And right now they're protesting uh, GoDaddy and their business as a domain registrar based on uh, GoDaddy's uh stance on those bills and you know that's fair oh it's fair it is i just think it probably doesn't make a difference i have other problems with godaddy which is why i don't use any of their services other than domain registration and part of it is because it's kind of one of these bait and switch sort of outfits what it means is you get a basic service really cheap but you have to be upsold to something that gets you all the features you need and what they do is they subdivide everything like if you buy an email package and you want to have an email alias as part of the package or a forward, meaning that, you know, say a message for sales at theparacast.com. As an example, that's an alias. It comes to me or maybe our sales staff. But with GoDaddy, if you don't register a domain with them and you want to use their email package, you have to buy a separate package of email forwards. Okay? Everything is separated and made optional. It's kind of like they used to do with cars. They don't do it as much anymore. Well, you buy the basic car, but you want the air conditioning and the seats and the seat belts or whatever. It was extra. And that's GoDaddy's business model. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's just like the cars used to be. Mm -hmm. I just like the bundles. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Let's move on. 2011, obviously Steve Jobs. Yeah. The death of Steve Jobs, the succession factor, Tim Cook. But I asked the question of another guest just a few moments ago, Bob Dr. McElvitis. And part of it is because he was very much involved with this company that made Mac clones called Power Computing during the 1990s. So now, 1996, if Steve Jobs had not returned to Apple with the purchase of Next, would Apple still be here? What kind of company would it be? What do you think, Jim? Uh, I don't think Apple would probably be here, no. No. I mean, Apple was pretty close to to bankruptcy um, when Jobs came back. And in in my mind, the the only reason that Apple actually made it out of the, the 90s was because of Steve. You know, Steve came in and he, he cut... You know, three quarters of the products that that Apple had and that they were working on, and you know he focused the company at that time on the iMac, and that's what really started to turn the company around. But you know, they—it's not that they were going down; they were they were pretty much at rock bottom. 
Now, Bob said they were down to their last half billion dollars, which is a drop in the bucket when it comes to a company needing operating expenses. They were down to their last quarter of operation if things hadn't turned around. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. In three months, I, I think they would have uh, they would have had to have gone under or been sold. And and Steve, you know, being Steve, made one last you know massive effort to to get the company back up again, and he did. Among the things that he did, of course, cutting out the products and then looking at the future of Apple and making decisions about where the company would go. And I guess the big thing that turned around Apple is not just the Mac and making them prettier and faster and working on the operating system. It was introducing the iPod and creating a whole new generation of products and services for Apple. Yeah, I mean, after the the iMac, you know, Apple Apple got back to its its roots of you know, kind of the 1984 uh, original Mac, all in one computer. They had the iMac. It was very simple. It got rid of the floppy disk. You, you know, you had uh, USB uh, in a computer, really. Uh, in a mainstream computer for the first time. Um, and, and then they moved on to some of these other things, and Steve tackled some of the bigger problems in the technology industry, not just the computer, st- computer industry. And the first of those was the MP3 player. You know, it, it, they typically didn't have very much space. They were uh, difficult to use. You know, they, they weren't real good. Steve brought out the iPod and iTunes, and then you have the iTunes Store, and, you know, you went from music to video to movies to uh, TV shows, and, you know, he just kept building on that. Kept then going and going like the Energizer Bunny. We have Jim yeah. Dalrymple of the Loop at LoopInsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockwood, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. 
Did you know that gold and silver contain healing properties? It's true. Since the beginning of mankind's history, gold and silver have not only been used as real money, but also for healing our minds and bodies. UtopiaSilver.com is your leading source for colloidal silver and colloidal gold, offering supplement protocols that can heal and enhance your health. Protocols for boosting the immune system, insomnia, yeast infections, herpes, and countering the effects of vaccinations and radiation poisoning. And now UtopiaSilver.com encourages the use of real money with this buy one, get one free real money special. For details and your colloidal silver and colloidal gold supplements, call 888-213-4338 and ask about 50% off for first-time customers. That's 888-213-4338 or visit UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com. Fighting for liberty and healing one American at a time. Hi, this is Alex Jones. This holiday season, more than half of our nation is in need of help due to the shattered economy. So now is the time to express the holiday spirit more than ever. Consider helping those you love with the most important gift, a supply of delicious, easy to fix, and very storable foods from eFoodsDirect.com. Their holiday gift and family pack start at $99 for a 16-day supply. All their five-week supply of quick and easy-to-fix meals includes a personal backpack in case of a grab-and-go emergency. Order their combo gift pack and you'll save hundreds, plus get free shipping on your entire order. Call eFoods today at 800-409-5633 or visit them online at eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex to find the special. That's 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. You can bet your life on eFoodsDirect. Warning, the unprepared may not survive the next natural disaster, terrorist attack, pandemic, or economic collapse. In light of recent global unrest and natural disasters, we bring you this urgent message from David Morris, author of the acclaimed Urban Survival Course. Because this message is urgent, we won't waste time on the why you should act now. You already know why. It's the very real and growing dangers reported in the media every day. Now it's the what you must do. Go to freesurvivalminicourse.com and claim your free Urban Survival Mini Course that will prepare you right in your own home. Today, David Morris is offering you instant access to a seven-part urban survival mini-course at freesurvivalminicourse.com. You should already be at your keyboard. Enough talk. Act now while you still have time and while it's still free. freesurvivalminicourse.com freesurvivalminicourse.com or call 800-366-5138 800-366-5138 You'll be glad you did. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. With Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loophinsight.com, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Isle Live. And we started off talking about the brouhaha over GoDaddy and the Stop Software Piracy Act in the U.S., And now we're focusing on the big stories of 2011, but also where Apple might have gone or not gone if Steve Jobs didn't return to the company in the purchase of Next. Maybe Apple wouldn't be here. So we wouldn't have an iPod. We wouldn't have an iPhone. And think of what products were there before those gadgets came out. And that's where it would have been. Yeah. 
Well, and it's not only Apple that wouldn't have been. You need to look at the industries that Apple influenced. Uh, look, where would where would music be? Where would online purchasing of music be? Where would the MP3 player market be? Where would the phone market be? Tablets, thin computers. You know, where would all of this stuff be if it if it wasn't for Apple? And you know, for for people, you know, people often tell me that some of these changes were inevitable. I don't believe that because if they were inevitable, the 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 industries that Apple influenced wouldn't have lain stagnant for so long. I mean, the phone market is a perfect example. Look at the phones before 2007 and look at the phones after 2007 when Apple introduced the iPhone. Completely different. It's like night and day in one year. That is the type of influence that Apple has over its industries. You wouldn't have the iPad. You wouldn't have all of the Samsung um, tablets. There's no way anybody can convince me that the same year that Apple releases the iPad, uh, everybody else comes out with a tablet that looks exactly like the iPad. But yet, in the decade before that, tablets look completely different. Of course, everybody's copying Apple. They're trying to recreate history. Consider, for example, how for 10 years, Microsoft was saying, this is the year of the tablet. This is the year of the tablet. Of course, after this coming year, they won't be saying that at the Consumer Electronics Show because they're not going to be active participants, at least publicly. Okay, Microsoft says it. Nobody listens. And then Apple comes out with the iPad. And then all tablets look like the iPad, give or take. And they say this is an original development. It's almost like, you know, movies. You get a movie that comes out about an asteroid crashing into the Earth, and you get a second movie on the same subject. <laughs> Things happen in flourishes and flurries. But in this case here, look at the iPhone. All your smartphones before the iPhone had tiny little tiny keyboards, like Blackberries. Blackberry yep. was it. In fact, I gather the original Android was meant to mimic or become an answer to Microsoft's mobile gadgets at the time. Also using little tiny keyboards. Apple comes out with a touchpad. All smartphones have to have touchpads. That's a coincidence? It's not a coincidence. Although people would, would have you believe that. And, you know, when Android was first modeled to, to take on the BlackBerry, uh, it was just as ugly as the BlackBerry. And all of a sudden, Apple comes out with with this thing, and then all of a sudden Android completely does a 180 away from the, the BlackBerry and starts to look and act a lot like the iPhone. I mean, there, there is no, no way that, that even the, the most strident Android user could say that they aren't copying the iPhone or iOS. Now, this is one of the things, too, that maybe the judges should be considering in court. They should ask the question, which is, before there was an iPad or an iPhone, show us your prototype, Samsung or HTC or whatever. Show us the prototype that demonstrates you were considering a product of this sort. Yeah. Where is it? When did it come out? Prove it. Well, look at what happened in court when the judge held up from about 10 feet away or so, held up an iPad and a Samsung Galaxy Tab and asked the Samsung lawyers which one was theirs, and they couldn't. They couldn't pick out their own tablet when held up over the judge's head. 
because they look so much the same. There's the other thing, too, of course. The second determination here is what is just a generic design, one that is simple, logical, and what is protected by a copyright or patent? Well, I, I mean, if you come out with a product that is nothing like anything else on the market, I mean, Apple has one button on the front of uh, its its tablet, and everything else is basically touchscreen. I mean, they have a volume knob and a mute on the side, but everything else is basically touchscreen and, and very thin. And then you look at what Microsoft's partners were uh, releasing up until that point, and they're these big, thick, ugly tablets. Microsoft's view of the tablet market and its partners was to try and take a desktop operating system and put it on a device that you could walk around with, um, with, with an open screen. That was basically their tablet strategy. Uh, Apple's was to take a desktop um, operating system, streamline it, to make it work on a very thin, to make it work on a very thin, lightweight tablet that you could carry around uh, and actually use and fit it into your lifestyle, whether your work or play, you know, whatever you're you're doing, you could have this 10-inch uh, tablet to take around with you. And now that's everybody's strategy. There's no way, no way. Well, this is the whole issue. This is the whole issue here is it's one thing to say, all right, this is one of those ideas that just makes sense and it was only a matter of time before everyone adopts it. What is patentable? And this is a bigger question as we progress with all these lawsuits with Apple and HTC and Motorola and Samsung and all that. What can you patent what makes sense? Like the one-click ordering system from Amazon. Was that something that they should have an exclusive on? See, I, I don't know. I don't know about, you know, when you look at what you can get a patent on and and what you can't, boy, things start to get tough then. Um, you know, is it is that ordering system unique? Um, I, I don't know. Well, with Apple, Apple did make an agreement with Amazon for that technology back in, what, 2000, 2001. Apple wasn't in such a great financial condition then. Now, maybe today, confronted with the same situation, they would have fought it. Maybe. At that point, it was easier just, okay, we'll pay up. After all, why should we caused that amount of trouble wasn't worth it you know you have to choose the battles you enter and maybe apple figured well what the heck this is not something we care about but basically apple's online ordering system of course is the one they acquired from power computing when they bought it out back in the 1990s well it's uh it's very interesting to see what patents i mean some of the patents that you see have a very wide scope. And, you know, I guess you can't blame the, uh, the the companies for trying to get a wide scope. That just means that they can, you know, get even more um, people that, that have to license it from them. But it's surprising sometimes to see 
all of the the different things that people can get a patent for. Well, one hopes, of course, the laws will be improved. They did change the laws in the U.S., the patent laws, but not in a way that seems to affect that. I think it's just a first-to-file kind of thing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's not significant. It doesn't raise the bar for a patent, which maybe is the key issue. Raising the bar so not every little trivial invention gets exclusives. you got to show you've done something really new, different, better before it happens. This happens here. We have Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at loopinsight.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com As we age, we lose both strength and muscle mass. Undamaged whey protein from grass-fed cows is nature's most powerful food to gain back lost muscle. Virtually all whey protein powders or drinks have been damaged during processing or are high in sugar. This damaged whey causes a significant loss in the ability of the body to build new muscle proteins. The high sugar content will stop all the benefits of your growth hormone from causing muscle repair. By giving your body easily absorbed, undamaged whey free of added sugar, you may be able to gain back lost muscle and strength. One World Whey is truly undamaged whey protein powder free of added sugar. Both young and elderly are reporting increases in muscle strength and size without any additional exercise. Go to OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com to read or hear some impressive testimonies to this effect. Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Smokers, are you still smoking traditional cigarettes? Are you still smelling up your clothes and car interior, staining your teeth, and getting ashes everywhere? Why? When you could be smoking or vaping with e-cigarettes by LaSig. With LaSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replacement cartridges, you'll get all the satisfaction of smoking, but no smoking hazards. Choose from a wide variety of our new American-made Vapriate e-liquid flavors at LaSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com, or call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Warning, e-cigs may contain nicotine, an addictive substance known to the state of California to cause birth defects or cancer. Please be aware of the risks associated with e-cigs prior to use. You must be 18 years or older to purchase. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. With Jim Dalrymple of The Loop at LoopInsight.com on the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. A fast question here. 2011, do you think Apple made any serious missteps? Hmm, missteps. Uh, no, I don't, I don't remember any major missteps that, that you could say that, you know, really caused Apple any problems. I think what happens here is the media wants to find a misstep. So, for example, oh, yeah. an iPhone 4S, it's just like the difference between the iPhone 3G and 3GS was basically internal improvements, but it looks the same. The people who make the cases must love Apple. But they felt Apple had to make an iPhone 5, and it had to be different. Why? Yeah, but see, that's not a misstep from Apple's part. That's a misstep on on, uh, people believing the rumors. That's, I mean, Apple had an iPhone 4S planned, and, you know, rumor sites said that's going to be a 5, and everybody believed that. So when Apple comes out with a 4S, they think it's a disappointment. But Apple never said that they were going to have a 5. Apple said that Apple never said that they were going to have an iPhone, for that matter. Well, they but, said they're going to have an iPhone. The first one, they said months before it actually came out. And part of it is to build up the initial demand because there's no product to replace. Part of it was to recognize the fact that when it goes to the FCC for approval, we'd all know about it. Right. But there was no, uh, with the iPhone 4S or 5, uh, there was nothing, no misstep, no problem from Apple's standpoint. Because they they never said that they would even have one. We assumed that they would have one. I mean, look, the rumor site said that we were going to have one at WWDC. In June. Because the previous couple of years, we had them at the WWDC in June. 
Right. But was it was it a disappointment that Apple didn't have one? And was it a disappointment from Apple's standpoint? No, because they never said that they were going to have one. The rumor sites did. Then the rumor sites said it was going to be in in August. There was no no iPhone in August. Then they said it was going to be in September, and they're absolutely sure this time it's going to be in September. Didn't come in September. Finally, it came in October. But I think part of Apple's it is time. also, Jim is that Apple may have been waiting for completion of iOS 5. You don't want to release a brand new phone and then wait three months for the operating system to get together. Of course. There there were probably all kinds of different things that Apple was waiting for. And, you know, they could have probably waited another three months and, you know, waited for a different component or something. But the the fact is the rumor sites kept saying every month oh it's coming this month for sure it's coming this month and that causes people to put off purchasing and the rumor sites are wrong of course that's the cried wolf kind of issue here so yeah. if the boy cries wolf too many times you don't believe him oh it's going to be july august september it's finally october and it's going to be an iphone 5 no it's an iphone 4s at some point yeah. do you even believe them well, here's the thing. It's funny that you say that because I don't. I, I, I just don't. But then again, you know, I've got my own sources, so I know what to expect and when to expect it. Let me ask you uh, about that, though, as we wind down with this episode, about your sources. Anything about a possible iPad 3 introduction on February 24th, the birthday of Steve Jobs? I Actually, yeah, I, I read about that. Uh, you know, an iPad 3 on the 24th. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I have heard nothing from from my sources about an iPad 3. But, you know, it is a significant date, uh, you know, given that Steve would have died, what, six months before. Um, it, it is significant. So it would be nice if if Apple did do something uh, to mark Steve's birthday but that's uh, not apple's way but and that's what i was just going to say but that's not what apple does i mean apple the anniversary of the imac the anniversary of itunes and mac os 10 and things that are monstrously significant in apple's history you know their 10-year anniversary of these things goes by apple doesn't even mention them everybody else on the web does apple not not a word yeah, but that's just the way that they go. Steve Jobs was always about looking forward, not about looking back. And they're not going to change that? No, I don't think so. I mean, if the iPad 3 is ready to roll, whatever it's going to have, a higher resolution display, well, maybe. But not because of someone's birthday. No, I mean, yeah, if it's ready at that time, uh, then they'll go. If it's not, they won't. What about um, the Apple TV? We know that Steve Jobs allegedly cracked the code in making the uber-simple TV. That's what's said in Walter Isaacson's best-selling biography of Steve Jobs. On the other hand, is it possible Steve said that just as a hype? No, I don't think he would have said that as a hype. I think that Steve probably did uh, you know, crack the, the TV, the secret of the TV. But that doesn't mean that we're, you know, three months away from release. That could mean that we're three years away from release. You know, there, there's no way to really tell uh, from Steve's comments how far away we are. You know, they, they, there's no doubt in my mind that they've been working on this uh, for quite some time. 
but when it when it comes right down to it, Apple doesn't build these products and and crack the codes in a couple of months. And production of that is even longer. In the end, they may not even make it because it's still the big question here. TV is a commodity. People don't just buy new TVs like they buy smartphones every couple of years. You buy a TV set, especially now because most people have the flat panel, the high definition and everything. You buy one every five or ten years, usually closer to ten years or more if the thing lasts. You don't just buy a new one unless you have a reason to. You move into a new home. The old set is gone, whatever the reason. Sets are very cheap, getting cheaper all the time. Where does Apple fit? Is there a place for Apple to build something in volume? They don't want to be like Bose and build a $5,000 set. No, no, but I I don't think, uh, you know, Apple's is obviously going to be a a beautiful set, but I think there's more to it than that. You know, you have Apple with its uh, iTunes store and the the ability to rent and purchase videos. And, you know, yes, you can do that on on a little device that they have now called the Apple TV. Um, but I think that, you know, Apple has enough technologies now where they can build into a consumer device that, you know, whether it be Siri where you can talk to it or, or whether it's things like the iTunes store and iCloud built into your TV, that you can have your media wherever you are, not just where that one device is. You know, so it's bigger than just a... Uh, a component it's the whole ecosystem and the question is can apple build a whole ecosystem would they try to replace your cable or satellite provider or partner with them as i've suggested elsewhere where you simply funnel everything into apple's unique interface with a siri front end and so you get the same content but you're seeing it apple's way because for apple to replace all those things it's going to be difficult and it's going to consume incredible amounts of internet bandwidth yeah, it it very well could, um, but I think that I think if anybody can do it, Apple can. I really do. There have also been rumors that Apple might consider buying a mobile phone carrier like a T-Mobile or something in the U.S., but that makes no sense whatever because Apple's partnering with hundreds of companies around the world. That's not a business they're going to get into. That doesn't make sense. Jim Dalrymple, tell us where we can find more of the things that you do. You can find me on loopinsight.com and at Jay Dalrymple on Twitter. And by the way, folks, you can find us on Twitter also, Tech Night Owl. That's Tech Night Owl at Twitter. Find us. Neighbors, maybe we'll even find you. I have my blog every day, five or six days a week. As it occurs to me, techniteowl.com. That is techniteowl.com, which got started in 1999 and still going strong. And we have another radio show, The Paracast, about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week, we'll be talking about your dreams and my dreams, too, on The Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Happy New Year, neighbors. Best for 2012. And a special thank you to Jim Dalrymple. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you very much, Gene. I really appreciate it. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.